Welcome to the Raw Food Health Empowerment Show. I'm your host, Samantha Salmon, Certified Integrative Nutrition Coach. And October is Health Literacy Month. We have the Raw Food Health Empowerment Summit coming up soon, and we're talking all about raw foods. But you know what goes great with raw foods for holistic health and well-being? herbs. And I love to talk about herbs all the time on the show. So today we are specifically learning about some herbs known to support thyroid health. I um, recently read a book called The Thyroid Connection by Dr. Amy Myers. Uh, This book is interesting, but I'm not recommending it since she talks about in her plan, she suggests folks eat breakfast sausages, which we know are known carcinogens. Um, Not all the doctors know all the things, which is why it's very important to find a a plant-based doc. But she mentioned some herbs that I want to dive deeper in today with herbalist Princess Manuel. Princess Manuel created Luya Healing and Herbs in February 2020. In her practice as an herbalist, she is intimately involved in plants. She learns its energetic qualities among many other properties that help her determine what is right for each unique individual. She facilitates healing circles. And uh, Princess Manuel, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I want to start with what inspired you to get into herbal medicine? Yeah, so it's been a journey (laughs) to find plant medicine. Uh, Growing up, I was in my grandfather's garden and I just I found a lot of peace there but I didn't like really engage and build relationship with the plants other than helping my parents cook you know like so um, I own a business called Luya Healing and Herbs and Luya means ginger in Tagalog which is one of the many languages in the Philippines and so you know we would always cook Luya in our food and that's how I became intimate with that plant um but it was, a, again, like a journey to get there. So when I practice herbalism, it's a, it's a particular herbalist type of herbalism, which is spiritual herbalism. So the way that I've um, learned in apprenticing for three years with Master Herbalist Karen Rose, who owns Sacred Vibes Apothecary, is we learn an indigenous framework to plant medicine. So we learn the spiritual properties of the plant medicine alongside its physical properties. And so... Um, The way I found plant medicine was um, I actually did a ritual when I was a little girl in elementary school and uh, me and these other three girls were like, oh, we don't like this other girl. Let's do a spell on her. And, you know, I'm like in fourth grade. So I, I was, you know, unguided and I didn't have access to traditional healing at the time. And so we did a spell and it was, you know, there are different types of rituals. Uh, this was harmful, a harmful ritual. And the girl actually got hurt. It wasn't like a major hurt. She just fell and scraped her knee. But, you know, at that time I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to do this ever again. <laughs> you know? And then there was a specific, um, what we call an oracion in, um, in the Philippines. And so it's a, like a chant that we did. And I've never seen this chant ever again. It's in Latin. And then I started um, apprenticing with um, a shaman in Harlem and I opened one of his books and that oracion, that chant came up and I was immediately taken to that moment when I did that ritual. And then later I started practicing Filipino martial arts with with Chrysalis Kali and my teacher, Guru Kristen Cabildo. And then she was doing a presentation and then that oracion popped up again. 
And then I was like, oh, wow, like spirit and my ancestors really want me to know this type of healing. And so I do a lot of work with um, plant medicine, but also ritual. But the way in, I found plant medicine specifically, I'm also a community organizer. And so I joined a wait list um, for the BIPOC Farmers Immersion Program at Soul Fire Farm in upstate New York. And so I was waitlisted for a year. And d- during that time, I was <clears throat> in social work school. Well, actually, yeah, it was, I was in social work school and I was all, in, I was interning with the criminal justice field, you know, my brother, my father, even I was touched by the incarceration system. And so social work school found out and they're like, let's place you in all of these you know, prison settings. And so it was a lot for me to like constantly be triggered in these spaces. And so, you know, I was really burnt out during that time, adrenal fatigue, another one of the glands. <laughs> but um, ever since then, I, you know, I was in my own therapy to kind of heal myself so that I can support folks, you know, who are re-entering back into society after being touched by the prison industrial complex, as I'd like to call it. Um, And so after Soul Fire Farm and like healing with the land, getting my hands on the land, folks would just start coming to me in my journey. And it's because I started inquiring. I started putting out into the universe, like, wow, this is really exciting me. This is really, you know, calling me. And so folks were like, you should meet with master herbalist Karen Rose. And then I just started doing research and, eventually I was accepted into the apprenticeship. And so I apprenticed with Karen for about three years, like right before the pandemic and then during the pandemic. So our cohort was the first to actually like organize herbal workshops, conference that was completely online. And during that time, there was a lot of issues with the Black Lives Matter movement. And so, you know, there was just a lot going on during that apprenticeship. And so, I guess we could talk a little bit about that later, but like COVID, the way I see it, it's like also connected to Mother Nature and like the health of our lungs and also like the health of the lungs of the earth. And so that's a long story <laughs> to like how I found plant medicine. But yeah. Yeah. I love that story. First of all, Soul Fire Farm, shout out to mm-hmm. them. I mean, <laughs> I love their reach and the people that they attract. I mean, those are definitely my people and your whole story is just so interesting to me. I am really curious um, with you being an herbalist and everything that you've learned, the social work and and um, being part of the Soul Fire Farm community and a social justice uh, person, like how are you how are you looking to um, use all that you've learned in in your community in California? Like, what are you, how are you looking to grow? Like, what's your 12 month plan? Mm-hmm. So I think um, I have been initiated into this work because of my childhood trauma. Like I've experienced, you know, sexual, physical traumas, also witnessing it in my community and so I actually became an organizer because I wanted to find healing and I had so much rage because of that and you know I identify as like a a woman of color and so I've experienced a lot of um, 
you know, the statistics, like one in four women will be raped or every woman is like sexually harassed, different things mm-hmm. like that. And so, you know, I turned um, that into medicine for my community by healing myself through like traveling through like the medicine wheel and like going, doing the shadow work, doing like soul retrieval and then finding ways to communicate with the spirit world to kind of, you know, heal myself, but also give support and um, guidance for folks who are actually healing through those things as well. So I focus specifically on present day and generational traumas, because as someone who's like a transnational feminist, um, I organize with a firm, and we learned that, you know, like, we have to dismantle this notion of like just self-care, which is very individualistic. And a lot where I come from, you know, in like traditional medicine, it's all about collective care. Mm. And so what I learned through social justice is like all of these systems, you know, and the impact of racism, classism, sexism impact our psyche. I didn't mention this earlier. I'm also um, a licensed mental health clinician. And so I, you know, I studied like, okay, how do these systems impact our communities? How does it impact the psyche of folks to where we continue to um, uphold these oppressive values internally and also how we're allowing like, you know, whether it's unconsciously these systems to continue exploiting our communities. And so I'm turning, you know, this into medicine by, uh, through your healing and herbs. We do herbal consultation, we do spiritual life coaching where I do a holistic intake where we, you know, I um, speak with the individual about what's going on emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and then we create um, a goal and plans for them. And then in a collective, we do group coaching. So in a collective container, which is very powerful, right? Like it, it kind of dismantles this notion of like individualistic healing, which I think is also important as we're transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this space, it kind of removes the power dynamics where, you know, like in the Western world, it's very like power over education where I'm just going to pour information onto you but in this space it's reciprocal I'm also learning and I'm also teaching what I know and I'm not the expert right like other folks in the space also have a lot of healing wisdom from their ancestors that we can all benefit from and so during this space you know we're processing and storytelling about like what are the generational traumas we've inherited from our mothers our parents and then what have these systems done to us to where we're experiencing present day traumas now? And you know, through this space, we're storytelling, we're witnessing each other, and then we're healing with plant medicine, with ancestral technologies, which is ritual, with connecting with our spirit guides, which can be plants and elemental or animal spirit guides. Mm-hmm. And so I really support folks. Um, you know, just with all the healing modalities that I've had to use on my own life and then teaching that to other folks and also like learning and holding myself accountable when I do make mistakes, which is going to happen, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. The collective healing. That's awesome. So can you tell us a bit about, um, these three specific herbs? And like I said earlier, uh, I read this book by Dr. Amy Myers, where she's talking about thyroid health, and she mentions these three herbs in particular, but 
um, not everyone is in agreement on these herbs. So I would love to hear <laughs> uh, in terms of like how they affect the thyroid and if they're good for the thyroid or not. So I would love to hear from you about motherwort, motherwort, lemon balm, and bugleweed. And if you could walk us through the benefits of those herbs and what exactly we would use them for. Yes, absolutely. So of those three plants, I've, um, I've studied motherwort, bugleweed, but of, of those three, I walk more intimately with lemon balm. And when I say I walk more intimately, you know, I'm connecting with the plant. I'm like building a relationship with the plant before I'm like using the plant. And I'm um, actually making the plant medicine for myself, right? But before we get into those three herbs, again, like I've mentioned, um, that when we study plant medicine, we also think about the spiritual properties of the plant. And so, you know, the thyroid gland is a part of the endocrine system, which is, you know, a set of other glands. And spiritually, we see that um, each of the glands are actually aligned with the different chakras. And so it's interesting how the thyroid chakra is aligned with, um, sorry, the thyroid is aligned with the throat chakra. And so, I don't know, is that something you've heard of before? About yes. like how it's aligned with the chakras? I've never heard the connection between chakras and herbs. So that's really interesting, but it makes sense that it would be aligned with the throat chakra. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the throat chakra, if that's okay. And then we'll get yeah. into the herbs. And so um, I'm referencing a book called Eastern Body, Western Mind. And so I'm just going to briefly talk about the throat chakra. And then again, we'll get into like the physical properties of the plant medicines. Um, and hopefully you'll see how like the spiritual, emotional, mental, how it all kind of like holistically ties together. And so um, the book talks about the, the throat chakra or the fifth chakra as, you know, the element is, I'm going to talk about correspondences. Um, so the element is sound, right? The purpose is communication, creativity. Um, it's about communication, uh, listening, resonance finding one's own voice. Uh, it's about identity is creative, orientation is self-expression. Developmental stage is seven to 12 years. And so each, I think each of the different chakras, you develop them at different developmental stages. And during this developmental stage, you're learning about creative expression, right? Communication skills, symbolic thinking. And so the, the basic rights within this energy center is to speak and be heard. And so if you're balanced in this chakra, you have a resonant voice, you're a good listener, a good sense of timing and rhythm, you have clear communication, you live creatively, traumas and abuses that could impact this energy center, making it imbalanced, right, is um, lies or getting mixed messages, verbal abuse, constant yelling, excessive criticism, which blocks your creativity, creative expression. Um, there are a lot of secrets and you get threats for like telling, you have authoritarian parents where they say like, don't talk back, like don't express yourself. You come from an alcoholic chemical dependent family. And so think about like the communities we come from and how, how much of us or how many of us have experienced a lot of these traumas and abuses impacting our throat chakra, impacting our thyroid, right? And so a deficiency here could look like a fear of speaking, a small weak voice, difficulty putting words into action, um, introversion, shyness, tone death, uh, poor rhythm, 
and for me I noticed this like growing up in my community where I experienced my body a lot of violence I remember having like a deficiency here and having a fear of speaking to authority figures so when I was in elementary I remember like I would never look my teachers in the eye you know mm. and then growing up um there was like it became an e excess right like it's um so I was I had like too much talking well no, I had like a lot of interruptions which was here inability to listen poor auditory comprehension and so physical malfunctions that could develop include disorders of the throat ears voice neck tightness of the jaw and so this um, the name of this chakra is called the um, Buddha and which basically purification and I'm sorry I didn't mention this but the chakras come from like the ancient Indian like traditional knowledge and so yeah and so connecting that back with the thyroid um, a lot of issues related to thyroid is like overactive or hyperthyroidism or underactive or hypothyroidism and so um, I'm going to talk about the herbs now and then hopefully we can kind of like see how that ties into like what we've experienced on the systemic level of how that impacts our creative expression voicing our needs and the thing about the throat chakra it's like the connection between like uh, the divine right the divine you have your third eye your crown chakra and then also like the physical realm so it's about like how are we receiving information from spirit or how are we blocking that and so the herbs we'll start with uh, motherwort and so mother, I'm going to look at my notes here and we're going to talk a little bit about materia medica and so as an herbalist um, uh, we have like our bible where we have materia medica of all the different herbs and when we meet with clients um, we intuitively intuitively know like which plants we would uh, recommend for clients because we've walked intimately with the plants and so during my herbalism studies one of the things we've had to do is meditate on the plant ally and so basically we meditate and then spirit sends us a plant that needs us and that we need as well I mentioned earlier that you know uh, the business I founded is called Luya Healing and Herbs and so Luya Ginger was the first plant that chose me. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This is like an ancestral plant that we've cooked in our foods and how amazing that this plant chose me to walk with. And so, you know, ginger is like a antispasmodic. We use it for colds and flus. We put it in our foods. We put it on like um, topically and then we have like arthritis or things like that. And so when I say we walk intimately with a plant, um, because we've done that work, when we meet with clients, we intuitively know like, oh, this is the plant. This plant is calling me to work with this person, right? And so uh, motherwort and bugleweed, I haven't yet intimately walked with it, you know, and the more that I've done more research, I'm like, oh, maybe this plant is being introduced in my life now because maybe I need it or my clients need it. And so motherwort, um, the common name is motherwort, Latin name, Leonora cardiaca and um, other names which is great to know for plants um, because it tells you a little bit about its, its spiritual properties you know and so motherwort is also called lion-hearted right and so we when you think of lion-hearted like what comes to mind like for me it's like oh there's like strength here <laughs> or like when I think about a lion they also walk in a collective and so uh, let's see 
actions and properties, actions and properties is basically how it works in the body. And so it's an amenagogue, parturient, antispasmodic, cardiac tonic, hypotensive, diuretic, diaphoretic, carminative, calmative, uh, relaxant, thyroid inhibitor. And so you would use it for heart problems associated with menopause, um, racing of the heart, suppressed or delayed menses, hot flashes, anxiety, insomnia, uh, mental emotional stress, thyroid hyperfunction, PMS, um, it's used to kickstart labor and expelling the placenta, menstrual cramps, and slight, slightly sedative. And so contraindications are basically, you wanna be mindful before taking a plant because this could like, you know, impact, um, impact you. And you don't wanna use the herb if you have this. So if you're pregnant and on beta blockers, you don't wanna use it because of the anti-coagulant. Um, if you're on heart meds, if you have heavy menses or if you, if you have hypothyroidism. So if you mm. use energy modifiers such as sleeping pills, coffee or weed, don't use it because it will affect, it will make the effects more intense. Um, it's good for menopause, but not if you're experiencing menopausal flooding because it makes things flow, it's a menagogue. And so you would use it um, more for long-term use. You use the fresh leaf tincture, um, half to a dropper full as needed. You would use a cold infusion for heart problems three times a day. Um, hot infusion for sexual health issues and hot and cold in Ayurvedic medicine, it's like it's gonna impact your specific dosha, right? Um, and so there's a lot we can talk about that. But anyways, um, can we can we put a pin in there for a second on the yeah. on the dosha? Because that's an interesting point. So um the explain what the doshas are, right? There's the the pitta, vada, and mm -hmm. kapha. And what exactly, yeah. what exactly, like, how would you describe this to someone who has never been introduced to the doshas? Yeah, so every human being is associated with a different um, dosha. There's actually like an assessment you could take. And I think throughout your life, you know, you could kind of like move between the different three doshas. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, it's basic, your unique body's constitution. And so... I don't, I'm not like a specialist in Ayurvedic medicine, but I'm going to talk about it briefly, but basically your specific body constitution um, has different needs. And so different plants have different energetic qualities, such as um, for motherwort, it's bitter, spicy, and cold. And so if you have a specific dosha, this is going to be supportive or not supportive to, you know, to, um, to what you're going through, to what ailment you're trying to heal. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't, this I don't is, know if I explained it earlier, but Yeah, like, no, this is great yeah. because I'll have in the show notes um, a resource so folks could go deeper and actually figure out what their dosha is for those who are interested. We kind of, we haven't really gone deep into this uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't know, like I find it interesting, but I don't necessarily live my life around doshas, if that makes sense to you. But this has come up a lot in the community because some folks have said, well, you know, um, especially with the promotion of raw foods, folks have said, well, that's not good for all doshas to eat raw foods. Um, I understand in, in exploring it, 
why I'm very much um, attracted to raw foods. I am pitta dosha, which is fire. And uh, you need you need the the the, the cooling uh, foods to, to calm down that fire. Too much fire, you get burnt out, right? right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but you had mentioned something interesting that I wanted to ask about was how the hot and cold affects the dosha, which I've never heard before. So if you could kind of like expand on that a little bit, like, like, what do you mean exactly? Will it change your constitution or how, how does that work? Yeah, so from my understanding, it's all about balance. Right. So if you're out of balance, I say like what you mentioned, like if there's too much fire, then you want to take like cooling herbs to kind of like ease that or calm that down. But it's, I think it's also dependent on like, let's say you have a cold or something and you need to take like more fiery herbs to kind of like move the cold out. <laughs> right. Mm. So I think it's about like balancing. Yeah. And again, I like I, I need more, I have like a general <laughs> like intro understanding of Ayurvedic medicine, but from my understanding, it's about like balancing. Yeah. I see. I see. Thank you. The next herb is uh, lemon balm. And so the Latin name is Melissa officinalis and the planetary correspondence is um, moon and water. The energetic quality, speaking of like Ayurvedic medicine, it's, it's pungent, sweet, and cooling. And um, you would use it for gas and digestive issues, um, nervous tension, the central nervous system. It's good for ADD, ADHD, melancholy, depression, anxiety, nervous tension. I think I mentioned that. Uh, tension headaches, postpartum blues. Uh, bipolar disorders and um, herpes contraindications. Um, don't use it if you have glaucoma because it can cause more pressure in the eyes. And it's, I mentioned that it's ruled by moon and the water. So you can kind of see like, if you are very fiery, <laughs> maybe like this would be a good herb to kind of like move some of that out, right? Like with mm. the water and flowing to kind of, um, yes the a cooling herb so yeah and this is great to use with like children as well um and then I'm gonna talk about the last herb and then I'll talk more about how it relates to like um, the thyroid so bugleweed uh Latin name lycopus virginicus other names which again tells you more about the history of the plant water bugle water whorehound Menta de Lobo, Gypsy's Wort, Gypsy's Weed, Paul's Betany, Carpenter's Herb, Wolf Foot. And so the energetic quality of this plant, it's acrid, aromatic, bitter, and warm. And you would use this plant as a sedative, relaxant, respiratory, antispasmodic, antioxidant, um, it's antithyroid, astringent, hemostatic, and it benefits those who have insomnia, relieving hypervigilance, hypersensitivity, and irritation. It's an excellent remedy when experiencing indigestion, stemming from anxiety or long-term activation of the fight or flight response. Um, it's good for chronic or irritable cough. And so, okay. So in terms of the thyroid, so, Overactive or hyper 
hypothyroidism is when the gland produces too much hormones and the body burns up too much food than normal. So you're like losing weight. And you would use nervine uh, to calm the nerves, but also digestive herbs to aid in digestion. So herbs um, that I mentioned that could be good for this is bugleweed as it is um, like a sedative, right? It's a nervine. It helps to calm the nerves. And um, motherwort, right? Because it's a bitter. And as I mentioned, like digestive bitters help with um, overactive or hyperthyroidism. And then underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism is the body's basic rate of activity is lowered. And so, you know, there's lethargy, there's depression. And so you would use, uh, you would use bitters and, is it also nervine? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Bitters and nervine. So, other herbs I listed, bladderwrack, damiana, nettles, oat, wormwood, and ashwagandha. So I didn't talk about nettles um, yet, but I guess I can talk a little bit about that if it's okay, yeah. <laughs> as it was mentioned for um, supporting uh, an underactive thyroid. So nettles, um, this plant I've walked with more intimately as well. It's um, the energetic qualities is bland, slightly better, cool. And again, like that tells you how it's going to react in your body. And it's, um, it's good for eczema, nosebleed, uh, bronchitis, diarrhea, diarrhea ADD, ADHD, weakness. It's a kidney medicine, strengthens the fetus or placenta in the uterus. It's good for arthritis, gout, or edema. Uh, and yeah, and so to go back to the thyroid function and thinking about like the throat chakra and thinking about like these different herbs, I'm curious, um, you know, as I was talking, if there was anything coming up for you around that, or like the connection with that. Yeah, like lemon balm, what you were saying about lemon balm and how you incorporated that into the doses um, mm -hmm. is um, is interesting to me because that's one of the things that I have been confused about when it comes to the doshas. And the reason why this is prevalent is because I regularly go to the Chopra Center and, you know, Deepak Chopra, his whole intellectual property is around uh, the doshas, you know, your dosha. And so, you know, like what in his yoga center to do, what in his spa, what massage to take and all of these things, right. Mm -hmm. Everything is around this. Um, cause that's, that's his, that's his, his thing. That's the, the modality that he chooses to use. So since I regularly go, this comes up a lot about the doshas. So I'm very much, um, aware of my dosha, but, um, using certain herbs to like balance it out but I'm confused do you ever change so it's like am I am I a pitta for life you know am I a lifer <laughs> or or, yeah. am, or do you move into will I ever be a vada you know like mm -hmm. those are some of the things that kind of come up as you're going through this and mm -hmm. And, and picking certain herbs based on that is a really new concept for me. So I'm just kind of sitting with that. I find it very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to consistently do those assessments 
And you'll find that, oh, like I was Wata, but now I'm Pizza or I'm Kafa, you know? And so I think the way I've learned it is that um, it's gonna change. It could change throughout your life, but you have one main one that you typically are, but because of like the imbalances, maybe you might like sway from different of the doshas and then you would use different plants, maybe to come back to your unique essence of what your, you know, like your main dosha is. But again, I'm not an expert in Ayurvedic medicine. Yeah. This is like what I've learned generally. Um, but also like take what resonates with you. A lot of the, what I've learned in spiritual herbalism, it's like after doing studying and working with different herbalists, like checking in with your intuition, which is connected to like, you know, such deep wisdom. And so, you know, if you want to connect with, you know, even if I mentioned these different herbs and I described what they do, see if it resonates with you if something's like oh that herb is really calling me right now maybe that's your calling to kind of like okay I need to walk with this plant I Mm -hmm. need to build a relationship with this plant I need to learn is this plant endangered should I not engage with this plant you know because a lot I think a lot of herbalism is like let me just take this plant for what I need but when we study medicine it's like okay we're all interconnected all interdependent so it really needs to build a relationship with these plants and get to know them first before we actually like take them and then asking permission like is it okay if I take these plants is it okay if I harvest and you know after doing this work and building relationships some plants don't want to be touched you know like I've been out there in the woods and they're like don't touch me (laughs) or like you'll need to give offering first you know like maybe offer a song like thinking of the throat chakra like singing or chanting or what comes up for you in terms of like um, intuitively giving an offering. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting too, to me, cause I, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned, um, you know, your history. So your business is very much um, influenced by your, your personal history, your own culture, being Filipino, right? So the name is, is in Filipino language. And you also mentioned that you did Filipino martial arts. When you, when you think of, um, when you look at these herbs, like, let's say you're, you're looking for herb for you and, and it's bringing in this Ayurvedic, um, prescription, which is not from your culture how how I guess does that influence you know like how you see it I'm just curious about that because you know there's mm-hmm. there's uh, there's traditional Chinese medicine there's Ayurvedic medicine coming from India I find in the herbal books no one talks enough about the um, African herbs and there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. traditional African herbs, right? But the it seems like the Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine seem to get like top billing that gets talked about a lot. Um, so for, for you as a person of color from the Philippines, and I'm pretty sure the Philippines has its own um, native plants and herbs, healing herbs, like how how exactly do you relate with uh, these dosh, that whole thing, the conversation around the doshas and all of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, I was born in Carson, California, and so I'm in the diaspora of the Filipinx folks, right? And so with that comes its own, like, unpacking. And specific to Filipinx folks, we've been through colonization, and with colonization comes the, like, erasure of traditional culture, traditional medicines, and so the way I've 
come back to our own traditional medicine, which is like ritual, which is like going to the spirit world is through apprenticeship, right? And so during my, um, we'll call it graduation, the ceremony of like finishing up the apprenticeship, uh, my teacher, um, Karen Rose, we did like an ancestral reading and she met with my ancestors and the ancestors were saying, you know, they're putting me through all of this trauma because that's the medicine I'm gonna give to the world. And they were saying like, oh, you're on a path to be a, a shaman. And so after that, I'm like, what is a shaman? <laughs> you know? And at the same time, I'm like, I also don't want to co-opt people's cultures, you know? And so it's like, all right, let me be intentional about this. How can I study shamanic practice? And so I started reading more books. But the thing that really helped me was like actually being in nature and you know, meditating. And I don't know if they call it meditation in traditional Philippines healing but basically going into a space where like I'm transcending the physical world and then going into the spirit world and actually meeting with guides and ancestors and receiving guidance on how to steward the land, for instance, or what I should do to help this person heal. And one of the gifts I've been developing is like channeling. And so, you know, when people think of a shaman, they have probably the stereotype, but I think every shamanic practitioner has their own unique medicine. And over time, as we learn and develop our skills, we unlock more gifts as we do healing work on ourselves and then offer this medicine to the world. And so something I've been channeling more is like having folks recently passed ancestors tap me on the shoulder or give me a pain and say like, tell this person this. And then I'll tell the person that thing. And they're like, how did you know that? I don't know, <laughs> you know, like spirit just, told me to tell you this or your ancestors or your recently passed you know member family member but what I'm trying to get at is that in terms of learning all these different modalities it's important to pay respects and pay reverence to where it comes from and also see like did you give, get permission to share this information right and we can see a lot of read all this literature and you know reading Ayurvedic medicine the book I've been reading I forgot what it's called, but they're like, yes, like learn this and then share it because our world needs it now, mm -hmm. right? And so when I practice, when I learn all these different modalities and kind of incorporate it together, it's with reverence and paying respects to those different cultures and saying like, you know, I, I don't own this. I am not a traditional Philippine healer. I am from Carson, California, and I'll tell my story to kind of like give people um background of like where I come from but I think like our culture is so enmeshed with like what is your title what is this it's like it's not about that it's about what you're doing with the gifts you've inherited the knowledge that you've been given permission to share right because when we turn into this narcissistic individualistic thing like I'm a shaman you know mm -hmm. and then it puts mm -hmm. you on a pedestal which perpetuates this like power over dynamic which perpetuates oppression which perpetuates like taking of other people's cultures and medicines while those cultures are suffering today, while indigenous folks are still fighting for the sovereignty of their land, you know, and while other herbalists are like, let's take your traditional plant medicine without knowing this plant is endangered, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, to go back to the spiral to your question, um, I think it's about paying reverence to those cultures and not saying like, I'm the expert in it, but I'm kind of blending all of what I'm what I've learned about mm -hmm. um, intuitively, 
right? Because I've practiced it on my own body. I've used it on myself. So I know like, um, not how it's going to work for you, but the process, and, like undoing the type of thinking that's oppressive and like paying respect and being respectful with engaging with the plant medicine. Um, yeah, but I think for me, like being in the diaspora, there's a lot of confusion you know mm -hmm, <laughs> there's like mm -hmm. who am I where do I belong but like after doing my own healing work like I belong here on earth I am nature I am part of nature everywhere I go I'm a part of not part of this land but I need to like respect this land respect who came before this land give offerings to the land you know like pay attention to what the systemic oppressions are and the people that have lived here and are being pushed out you know, and the access to plant medicine or in access to plant medicine that the folks have, you know, um, kind of went everywhere. <laughs> I yeah, and I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that context. It's, um, you know, when, when people ask, because I've been asked by many people, you know, regardless of race <laughs> around um, the chakras and, and specifically Ayurveda, when I talk about raw foods and now you bring it up with herbs and I find it interesting, but like when I say, you know, I don't really use that as a metric to like how I eat and how I live my life necessarily, uh, because it's not, I feel, you know, I feel, cause I feel like it's not my culture. So, um, it's interesting and I can learn and be inspired by it and experiment with it. But for me personally, it feels like, like I I could never say, oh, I'm, I eat this way or I do this thing and this is my life practice because I'm a so-and-so dosha. It just doesn't feel, it feels inauthentic to me because it's like, that's not my culture, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I was just curious, you know, how you, how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but as an educator, it makes sense to share because the yeah. information could be useful. Like I've read, I've read books on on things where they brought in the doshas to support mm -hmm. their recommendations, which I didn't expect when I like picked up the book or whatever. Um, that's how I found out I was a pitta dosha, <laughs> essentially, because mm -hmm. I wasn't, even though I went to the Chopra Center, I wasn't really interested in doing the quiz or learning all the things. Um, because I had I had already learned this in my in my nutrition studies, but I wasn't interested in like, you know, giving it much weight for myself. But but I I fell upon it and got hooked with the explanation, like, oh my gosh, how do they know me so much? You know, as they're talking mm -hmm. about the pitta dosha. But um, but yeah, but I, I just I just feel some type of way. That's why it's really fun for me to talk to other, especially folks like yourself, because when I talk to you everything you talk about, like all the things you're into are all the things that I'm into. So that's why it's like, like, um, I'm really like, well, how do you feel about this? You know, <laughs> how, how, how does this affect you? Like person as a person who actually uses herbs and lives a, a holistic lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, and someone that practices like supporting folks in healing mental health stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. um I don't think it's also helpful to shame ourselves either and I mentioned earlier I'm gonna make mistakes I'm human <laughs> but it's not about 
you know, cancel culture. That's kind of like the prison industrial complex where you did something wrong, let's throw you away. You're no longer human, you know, but it's like, I'm human. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm gonna experiment with plant medicine. Maybe my formula wasn't as good and I could like, you know, add more, I'm taking red clover right now, so more red clover to this formula. And it's like, and I also tell this to my clients, like, let's be gentle with ourselves. Let's treat ourselves with some grace as we're learning and undoing these ways of thinking that, you know, this, I've learned about this and now I'm an expert in taking other people's culture and putting a price on it, you know? But again, like paying our respects and when you make a mistake, just own up to it and be like, oh shit, I misappropriated someone's culture. Like, I'm sorry I did that. Now I know to move with more intentionality and, you know, and be more mindful about that. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of like, let's be gentle with ourselves as we're learning, but also try to be aware and mindful. And if you made a mistake, own up to it. It's fine. Move on. You know, don't do it yet. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, and I I love that you are guiding people on this journey because I think like uh we're you know we need to wrap up now, but you brought up becoming intimately involved with the herb before you use it and like getting permission to use it and all of that, which is really interesting. So for folks who want to learn more about how you do this uh, and how they can get started with these herbs. How can folks connect with you? Yeah, so we're actually offering a gifted session. And um, during these sessions, it's more because, again, like I received this calling to do this work. And from what I know, if I don't follow that calling, there are consequences to the spiritual contract. So I offer this free session to get to know folks and see like, you know, what are you going through? Intuitively, does it feel right for both of us to like work together, right? And because with this work together, it's gonna, again, we're all interdependent, interconnected. It's gonna ripple out, right? And so these sessions are for me to learn more about what are you healing through? And then we use different holistic modalities of like somatic practices, plant medicine, ritual to support you. Um, and then we'll see if we're right matched to work together for some time, um, depending on how we're, you know, the offering is. But um, yeah, so there's going to be a link where you can schedule that free session. Uh, typically, I say it's 90 minutes, but that's just so we have enough time in this container because you don't know where spirit's going to take us <laughs> during that time together. Um, and then you can follow us at Luya Healing on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, Luya Healing and Herbs. Luya is spelled L-U-Y-A. And then you can also email us at info at luyahealing.com. Awesome. Princess Manuel, thank you so much. This has really been enlightening and inspirational. I can't wait to deepen my knowledge on this connection between um, the doshas and herbs and um meditating over the herbs and and building a relationship. Very, very fascinating conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.